Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives all to your honor and glory. And so we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated wherever you are. So Kyle was putting his eight-year-old daughter Morgan to sleep, and she was proud of something that she had done and wanted to tell her dad about it. Dad, I memorized the Ten Commandments, and she recited them for her dad. Now he, not one to miss a teachable moment, asks, well Morgan, have you ever broken any of them? She hadn't really thought about that and had some trouble thinking of anything, so Dad helped. Well, have you ever lied? That's part of the ninth commandment. Have you ever wanted something so badly that someone else had? That's called coveting, the tenth commandment. Especially to an eight-year-old. Have you ever not honored your mom and dad? That's the fifth commandment. And she was honest, knowing that she had. But then suddenly she perked up. But I know one that I've never done. I've never made an idol. See, the fact is that we would usually think the same way that Morgan has. We may have done all sorts of things wrong, but we've certainly not made an idol and put something ahead of Jesus. But perhaps we'll see that maybe we have. So our reading today from Acts 17, Paul is on one of his missionary journeys and he's sharing the good news about Jesus wherever he goes. And he comes to the city of Athens. And he walks around the city and as it says in verse 16, that while he was in the city of Athens, that it says, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Paul knows that there is one true God, and he knows that everyone should worship him so that God receives the glory that he deserves and so that other people can experience the purpose for which we were created. And Paul is deeply troubled. He's upset. He's provoked because of all of this idol worship, all of this worship that's not directed toward God. And so he finds a way to share the good news of Jesus with the people of that city. And he wants them to turn away from their false gods, their idols, and turn to Jesus instead. So today, I want us to actually do some of what Paul did. Recognizing and revealing idols, things that uh, come before Jesus in our energy and our worship identifying them, revealing them, and then pointing to Jesus. See, like Paul, you and I have been entrusted with the gospel, and we should be zealous for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbors and for the world. And so when we see idolatry, when we see people not worshiping the one true God, that should provoke us, that should bother us. And it should bother us so much that it moves us to action to prayer, to engagement, and to a renewed commitment to worship Jesus. God can't just get tacked on somewhere at the end, 
placing anything before God in our lives and our hearts is called idolatry. It's sort of dethroning God, or as D.A. Carson likes to say, de-godding God. So one writer puts it this way. God declines to sit atop an organizational flowchart. He is the organization. He's not interested in being president of the board. He is the board. And life doesn't work until everyone else sitting around the table in the boardroom of your heart is fired. He is God. There are no partial gods, no honorary gods, no interim gods, and quoting the TV show The Office, no assistance to the regional gods. So today I want us to see some of these idols, some of the things that perhaps are nearest and dearest in our hearts, that perhaps especially have been revealed in our current pandemic. Suggest that these were all there already, but as we watch TV, as we sit at home, as we look on social media, we begin to see perhaps these popping up all around us. Some are in the wider culture, but also I think some are quite specific to us as Christians. Some idols that I would suggest have been revealed or are being revealed in new ways in our current situation, and then I want to offer a couple ways for us that we can respond. Not every one of these will apply to every individual in exactly the same way, but honestly listen to see how it might be true of us and what we can do. So a few of them, in no particular order. One I would suggest that is being revealed in a new way in our current situation is the idol of entertainment. So we're stuck at home sometimes with seemingly nothing to do. Now, of course, many of us are stuck at home with tons to do, but we're still finding that the, the things that we used to go to for entertainment are gone. So in my house growing up, we had a rule. We were never allowed to use the word bored. Now, of course, this was a rule that was created because we used it so often. But we were never allowed to use the word board. And if we did, we were immediately assigned the non-negotiable task of cleaning the kitty litter. So suddenly, my brother and I were bored a lot less often. But in this time, when so many of our forms of entertainment have been canceled, many are finding ourselves not knowing what to do. The things that we went to in order to entertain ourselves, to keep our lives interesting or to have fun, are gone. And many are discovering that we just don't know what to do with ourselves. We don't know how to fill that space. Because various forms of entertainment have been taking too high of a priority in our lives so that when they're gone, we find ourselves being lost. So... Kyle Eidelman writes this, so I just want you to see if you can imagine this. People arrive hours early for church. On Sunday mornings, they don't just set up a backup alarm to ensure they wake up on time, they set up a backup for the backup. They arrange their schedules to make sure they don't miss gathering for worship. Throughout the week, they talk about what happened on the previous Sunday as excitement builds for the upcoming church service. There are all-day talk shows on the radio devoted to reviewing last week's service and breaking down the next one. There's even a TV show called Church Center 
that runs highlight clips of church activities that have happened across the nation that day. When Sunday comes, the members start loading up their trucks and SUVs and sedans hours before the service starts. Hurry, said, says Dad frantically. We're behind again. It's 6 a.m., says Mom. Church doesn't start for five hours. But last time we left at this time, we had to park three miles from the sanctuary and sit in the nosebleed seats. Someday, I really want to sit in the front row, but you have to camp out on the church lawn to have any chance of that. The roads are really congested on the way to church, no matter how early you leave. And at church, there are vehicles parked as far as the eye can see, and folks are out tailgating. Some have elaborate spreads prepared, breaking out portable grills and lawn chairs in the church parking lot. Some have television monitors and satellite dishes so that they can catch updates from other worship services while they wait for their own. It's nice weather today, not that that matters, even in the dead of winter, they'll be out in the same numbers. And the masses begin filing into the sanctuary, cheering with great passion and excitement. And after several hours, people start looking at their watches, and everyone is thinking the same thing. I hope this sermon goes into overtime. So just perhaps, our entertainment sources get more of us than Jesus does. Now, of course, some Christians are absolutely committed to worshiping together because that's actually the core of what we're called to as the church. And now that that must be temporarily done uh, in your living room, I know that many are absolutely committed to being there every Sunday, every week at 10 a.m. But how many Christians will prepare to watch sports when they're on but won't make worshiping, even in their living room for the time being, the same sort of priority. See, an idol is anything that we place higher in our lives and in our hearts than God. So the idol of entertainment. Another that we see popping up again, again, this is not unique to this time, but something that we see popping up perhaps in a slightly different way, is the idol of consumerism. Now that people are stuck at home, how often do we begin turning to buying stuff online in order to fill our days? There's nothing wrong with shopping online itself, and there's nothing wrong with ordering things online so you don't have to go to the store right now. That's not what I'm talking about. But now that we don't know what to do with ourselves, we go online to spend our money. We need a distraction. We need the joy of opening the box and gazing at our new widget. We're finding we don't know what to do with ourselves. And the idol of consumerism is more than happy to receive our tithes and offerings. Another, I would suggest, just put bluntly, is the idol of myself. Especially in the, the U.S., we hate being told what to do, even if it's something we might have wanted to do anyway. So we hate being assigned seats as a child, and yet as adults, we always end up sitting in the exact same seats when we can choose for ourselves. We hate being told what to do. We hate being told to stay home, even though we probably would have been home most of that time anyway. But I'm in charge. And I can do whatever I want. And when that's threatened, even in the slightest, we show that we believe ourselves to be the center of our universe and our highest priority. 
for the idol of myself. But there are also idols that pop up specifically within the church. So I mentioned entertainment, but I also think that another one that we see in the church can be entertainment in worship. When worship isn't quite as much fun as it was when we were gathered in person, we stop making it a priority. Because actually gathering together as the church is essential to who we are as the church. But in this temporary moment when we have to rely on online technology, we step back because it isn't fulfilling in the same way. Now that we're at home, the phone starts to come out. We give our attention to other things and maybe just sort of put church on in the background. And it's showing that worshiping Jesus is perhaps lower on our priorities list than we would have thought. For us as pastors, I think the idol of success, success in ministry, is coming up. See, we're expected to do things like share the gospel and draw people in and numbers should go up. I mean, that's, I mean, in a good way, when you're sharing the gospel, if good, healthy things tend to grow, so that should be happening. But if we're not careful, we can just get into numbers, numbers, numbers. Folks, there's no one here. <laughs> there are no numbers right now. And it's forcing us to take note of where our priorities truly lie. Again, speaking from a pastor's perspective, uh, many pastors are also learning that we're not getting that sort of ego petting that we sometimes get because we're learning to do entirely new things, many of which we're terrible at. We're not getting to do the things we're good at and we're being forced to do things we're bad at and we're really struggling. And I think it's because, partially, because we've placed too high a value on ministry or success in ministry as opposed to Jesus himself. I also think that in the church, we're facing the idol of relevance in our culture. The idol of relevance in our culture. See, during this, uh, we have been told on no uncertain terms that we are utterly irrelevant in our culture. We were immediately deemed non-essential. Now, that shouldn't surprise us, but it did. And I've been on calls with pastors who are struggling tremendously as they're realizing that the church isn't considered as important as, uh, by the state, by the culture, as we thought. We thought we were essential in the eyes of the world. And we've poured out so much into feeling relevant and popular and essential in our culture. And in a heartbeat, we've just been told that we're not. We put so much stress on being relevant in our culture, but as a crisis hits, the culture immediately shows us how irrelevant it views us to be. Now, we need to take that seriously in regards to mission, because there are good gospel opportunities that this is showing us. But we also need to identify how we've held up relevance or popularity in our culture as an idol. And when that was taken away, many of us are in shock. So in the midst of our current pandemic, many of our idols are starting to be revealed. They're starting to sort of bubble to the surface. So what can we do about it? Well, here in Acts 17, Paul calls his audience specifically to respond by repenting. 
honestly acknowledge idolatry, honestly acknowledge any time we've put something in, in place of God, any time that we've identified that we've held something nearer and dearer to our hearts than God, honestly acknowledge it, confess it, and turn back to Jesus. And I would caution, don't justify yourself and say, well, I'm not like that. I'm not that bad. I mean, that's not really true of me in any meaningful way. That's not true of me. But I really hope my spouse is listening, or so-and-so is listening, or that person who doesn't wear a mask, or that person who does wear a mask is listening. But be honest with yourself, and where you catch even a whiff of this sort of idolatry mentioned, of putting something or someone ahead of Jesus in your life. Acknowledge it to God, repent of it, and move forward in the power of the Spirit, following Jesus above everything else. Repent. And in this season especially, I want to invite you into a very important spiritual discipline. The discipline of solitude, of just being alone with God. Archbishop William Temple once wrote, your religion is what you do with your solitude. When everything else is shut off, what do you turn to? When you're alone and no one else sees, what do you turn to? When you can do whatever you want, what do you turn to? Well, the discipline of solitude is to turn to being alone with God when we can do whatever we want. Create a space, put everything else down, and just be alone with God. And know that cannot be done on the golf course. Probably not even on a run. But just do nothing but be alone with God. Sit in a chair, go outside, find a quiet spot, even if you have young children and your quiet spot is hiding in the bathroom from your kids, but find a place to just be alone with God. Don't bring your phone, don't bring anything else to keep you occupied, just be alone with God. I will say this is probably not going to be fun in the way that we typically think of it. It's actually not the purpose. But what many saints have discovered throughout the centuries is that as the distractions die away, they encounter God. And what will likely happen if you were willing to keep doing this is that those idols will slowly start moving down in your priorities list as we focus more and more on Jesus. I can't really explain fully how all of that happens, but I know that it happens. As we are alone with God in solitude, the idols slowly begin to step back. So for me personally, I am not promising to do this every single night, but I'm committing to not turn on the TV at night and to just sit and be with God. I'm going to allow myself to read books sometimes, that point me to Jesus. I can certainly pray, but I'm also committing to just sit. No phone, no TV, no computer, but to just 
be with God. So this is a very challenging season. But I would suggest that one of the blessings that's coming is that some of our idols are being revealed in new ways. And like Paul in Athens, that should provoke us when we see them. It should provoke us to action, to prayer, to rooting them out of our lives. And as we identify the things that we actually place higher than Jesus in our lives, repent. Honestly acknowledge that we've done it, and then recommit to worship, to following Jesus as our highest priority and calling. And embrace the discipline of solitude. Just being alone with God. With nothing else, just with God. Be alone with Him. With no other purpose other than to be alone with Him. Turn everything else off. And just be alone with God in solitude. I am not promising that's going to be easy. The entertainment will probably draw your heart in all sorts of different directions. But turn it off and just be alone with God. Let's pray. And so, Heavenly Father, would you draw all people to repent and to turn to you as the one true God? Would you give us assurance of our place with you? of our righteousness in you as we trust in the resurrection of your Son, Jesus. Lord, use this time of discomfort and anxiety for the good of your church and for the glory of your name. And it is in Christ we pray. Amen.